0: Everyone is waiting for something, someone, sometimes anticipating, sometimes agonizing. We all have an expectation for what's to come. Even Jesus arrived with a wait. Although we turn a single page, 400 years of silence spanned the gap between the final prophecies we read in the Old Testament and the birth of Jesus. No prophet, no voice, no signs, no wonders. You can almost hear the questions. Did God care? Had he vanished? Was he ever really there? Finally, with a single cry in a stable in Bethlehem, the silence was broken. The arrival of a baby born in the midst of darkness and despair was hope fulfilled, a miracle in motion. And the good news? In the same way it did 2,000 years ago, Advent brings with it the assurance that no matter what you're waiting on, God promises hope is on the way.
1: As I brought that up onto the platform, the producer said, Be careful you don't drop the clicker. I thought, why are you telling me things I know how to do? Moving right along. I dropped the clicker just then in case you're wondering what I'm referring to. Friends, we are so excited for this Christmas series. and Every time I watch that video, I don't know if you've got a, a newborn baby in your household, but as soon as the baby starts crying, I'm like, where's my son? Is he okay? But we do that because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ and, and what this means in a revolutionary way for our world. And to do that this morning, I'm going to welcome ex, uh, ex-CEO of Compassion. He used to be a pastor of at Gateway Baptist, and for the last year, He's been uh, my mentor, uh, contracted by our church to help me navigate the first year of being lead minister. He's coming to share with us today for today's sermon. Would you honor and welcome Tim Hanna, who's got to come and join me on platform? When I was appointed as lead minister about a year ago, the church kind of really discerned that it would be good for me to, to have wise counsel around me. And I, I cannot tell you how valuable I've sensed that discernment, that wisdom. Um, Tim's not only become someone who I've trusted as a leader, but a good friend. We've laughed a lot together. We, we've talked a lot, dreamed. Um, but this is also a moment for us because uh, it's the end of the year and, and Tim is now seizing his time in that role as mentor. Now, he's still on the end of the phone. He only lives down at Logan. So he's told me I can uh, visit him anytime. Yep. So 2 a.m. visits are on the cards for me in this coming week. Um, but we wanted to invite Tim to come back and preach today to honor Tim. He's been in a lot of meetings that, uh, for a church he didn't attend, um, where he's spent a lot of time working with me about the dreams and hopes for the future of new life, all because he believes in the local church. Um, and I just wanted to honor Tim. He's also given up a lot of time with his wife, Chris. And so we have a bit of a voucher here for you to take Chris out to enjoy and honor you both for the sacrifice in our church. A letter to say thank you. And then Tim, we also just wanted to honor you for everything you've done for New Life. Would you honor and thank Tim? And thank uh, I've heard his sermon and it's going to be a fantastic one.
2: Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, Michael. And uh, it's been a great joy to be part of, uh, uh, part of New Life for last year and to... Just see a new season, a transition, a new season. I've really, really enjoyed that. It's been great working with Michael and the team and the elders at times and and just uh, seeing things, you know, take momentum on in this new season for the whole church. So I thank you for that and thank you for the... It's good to be here with you in person and online to share today. And I want to thank you, Michael, for welcoming the young people on the front row because I was on the front row and uh, I really do... Appreciate that. Hey, it's great to be here. Let's let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you and praise you that we can come at this season and enjoy you and enjoy who you are, and we can declare the God who's among us. In fact, the Spirit who's within us. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to us this morning, that we'll just know your presence, we'll know what you're saying through your word and by your spirit to us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's great to be here and in this season of Advent, which is a fantastic season. You know, I spend most of my 40 plus years now uh, as a believer in evangelical slash charismatic sort of tradition. And because of that, you know, there's some real positives of that. You You don't get caught up in sort of empty rituals, you don't get caught up in pedantic arguments and politics so much, wouldn't say it's none, but because of that also, it does mean you can miss out on some of the great seasons of the Christian calendar, because mainly the mainline church emphasizes those seasons, like like Lent in the Easter season and like Advent now in the Christmas season. so, many, so much for us in this Christmas season is as people we just sort of get all real busy right up to Christmas and then on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day we take time out to, to kind of reflect on what Christmas is about and then we get busy again and the good thing about seasons like Advent is that it causes you in the lead up to prepare and to reflect and to think and not just see it as a, a one 24 hour event but it's something that really matters and really good. So Advent is the season, Advent meaning the coming or the arrival, the arrival of Jesus, God in the flesh to be amongst us, Emmanuel to be with us. That's the important thing that we want to look at today and and this season draws the coming of the Messiah that the people of God had been waiting for or hoping for. And that's our theme today. There are lots of themes in the Advent season of joy and peace and hope's one of those. And we're going to focus on that theme of hope today, this anticipation, this confidence, this expectation that God's going to do something. And you read right through the Old Testament, there's just been this um, kind of litany of, of times when people are led astray by horrible kings or led through all sorts of mishmash by rogue leaders who up and down in their relationship with God, but right through it all was this golden thread of expectation, this golden thread of hope that God was going to do something, that the Word would become flesh, dwell among us. And one of those prophets who kind of, I would call the prophet of hope himself, Isaiah, many, many years before, said words that are echoed again as the angel talked to Joseph, the human father of Jesus. And we read those words in in this passage. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. That's the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And he now lives among us. I want to reflect in this Advent, as we really begin this Advent season, about the value of hope. Hope is so crucial. It's so important. You know, what is it that caused Margie, we call them, wise men from the east to walk hundreds of kilometres? We don't know whether they're from India or from what's today Iran or whether from the Chaldees. We don't know. It's not clear. But they walked hundreds of kilometres to get to see an infant. That's, what is it? That's hope. What is it that caused a bunch of shepherds who lived their life every day was the same sort of existence? They would take the sheep out of the pen in the morning, walk them around the pasture for the day, come back, put them into the pen at night. They would lie across the, the front of the pen as a human gate so that the sheep couldn't get out and the wolves couldn't get in. Every day was like that. It's like monotonous... Time and all one night, the sky lit up. The glory of the Lord was there, and there were angels all around. One angel spoke to them and said, "You know, peace on earth, goodwill to man," and told the story of the coming King. And they left there, and they went into Bethlehem to tell the story. What is it that causes shepherds to do that? It's hope. What is it that causes a teenage girl, a young girl who knows? That if she becomes pregnant, she's going to be the the source of stigma and um, gossip in her village for decades to come. What causes her to still say, um, if that be your will, I'm in. It's hope. What causes people in our community who've got not much going for them or live on the edges of them or the margins of our community and cannot see things changing? What causes them to sort of give up? It's a lack of hope. What is it that causes people to the average Joe who goes to work every day and comes home and all of a sudden wakes up one morning and says, my my life's not going to change that much. This is the fate I've been dealt. It's a lack of hope. What is it that causes a leader in, in our world or our church or our world to say, look, the world is changing so much, what I've been trained for in my life is disappearing. It's changing so quickly. I can't cope. It's lack of hope. This thing called hope is so crucial, and so important. And you might be here this morning saying, I'm brimming with hope. Or you might be here this morning saying, I'm struggling with hope. You might be at home going, you know, it's all very well to talk about it, but I'm struggling with a lack of hope. That's why we come in this Advent series. And I find hope one of the most difficult things to define. It's easier to describe or easier to observe. You can see someone who's got some hope, has got a glint in their eye or a spring in their step and they live with this hope. But it is hard to define. It's hard to define because it's you can't see it. Hope is not a concept. It exists in a person, the person of Jesus. You actually can't see hope. You can see the results of it and what it looks like. But it's not a a concept. It's more than that. And we read in scriptures and know around about us that what doesn't bring hope I mean law doesn't bring hope it brings compliance doesn't bring hope we read through that through the old testament and see that history doesn't bring hope talking about hope doesn't bring hope power doesn't bring hope wealth doesn't bring hope religion doesn't bring hope pandemics don't bring hope there's a there's a there's a lack of hope in our world and as i said one of the Reasons why it's difficult is it's, it's hard to define. It's not easy to see. You can't, It's not in our visual, tactile world, it's hard to see that. Because hope cannot be seen. The moment you see it, it's not hope anymore. Let me read to you what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans. He said, We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains, pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to Sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope, listen to this, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do, yet not ha- yet not have it, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in in accordance with the will of God. There's this incredible connection between the presence of the Spirit of God in your life and hope. Paul says another place that when you come to faith in Jesus, God's Spirit bears witness or testifies with our spirit, and we become a child of God. We become a child of God when that connection happens. If you can physically see it, touch it, or smell it, it isn't hope, but it's an expectation, an anticipation that God is with us, that God is there, God is within us by His Spirit. Hope is that anticipation. So how do we live in hope? That's what it is and it's hard to define. How do we live in it? What does it require of us? What does it need of us? And I, today I want to just share a few thoughts, just four, four basic thoughts about, about hope in our world, what that means. A few things to, to grasp. First one is this, that hope requires a new birth. Hope requires a new start, a new birth of us as individuals and as people. That's what hope requires. One night a man, a religious man, caught up with Jesus and his disciples in a room. He came at night, he was was secretive because he was starting to believe something different than his tribe of religious people were believing. So he comes to this room and meets up with Jesus and the others there says to Jesus, you couldn't do the things that you do unless God were in it. You couldn't do that. And Jesus replies to him and says, "Verily, Very truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So the start of hope is a new birth. Start of hope is a new life. It's a new beginning. It's what God does. It's where the spirit blows and works in your life and your heart and builds that connection with you, that internal resource with you. And before that starts, then hope takes the form of optimism or it takes the form of wishful thinking. That's what hope is before a new birth, but now hope has come. Spirit of God dwells within me. I have a new fresh hope, new fresh life. That's what happens. And sometimes we get confused with this term, lest you're born again. We we've somehow made that term like a different level of Christendom. You know, well, are you a Christian or are you a born-again Christian? There's no distinction. To be born again is to be a Christ one. That's what it means. It's a new, a new start and a new life. If you say, And it's a new confidence. If you say to me, Tim, how do you know you're a Christian? I could say to you, it's not because I walked to the front of a meeting on the 30th of November, 1974. That's a long time ago, right? It's not because of that. You ask me, how do I know I'm a Christian? I know because I know. I know because the Spirit of God bears witness. I know because there's hope. I know because there's purpose. You can't see it, but the wind blows where it will. And Peter, who's in, here, is that conversation that Jesus has with this man Nicodemus, connects this new birth with hope. He says this in First Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, what for? Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the new hope, the new life that God has given us for hope to be more than optimism for hope to be more than wishful thinking for hope to be more than touch wooding touching wood it needs a resonant god to live within us by his spirit into a living hope for a future that will never perish fade or spoil that's the hope that god gives to you and to me and it requires it requires a new birth It requires us to start again, to be children of God. See, sometimes we think that to come to faith in Jesus, you know, I'm a a mature adult person, or I'm getting to that point, to come to faith in Jesus is to recruit Jesus onto my team. In other words, I've got a thing going, and he can come on my team as part of the benefit of that. That's not what following Jesus is. It's Jesus recruiting you onto his team. And you start on his team, not as a mature adult, you start as a child, new birth. And just like a child has to grow and crawl for the first time and learn how to walk and eat solid food, for, that, that's the way we have to grow. We've got to come with humility and vulnerability to become a child of God and grow. And as that happens, we come with a new hope. It's the spirit of God within us. Hope starts with a new birth. And you might be here today and, you haven't experienced that new birth and maybe today's a great time to begin that. but say, I need to start again. I need to start afresh and become a child of God through that new birth. Second thing I want to say is hope requires fresh eyes. If you were here about a year ago, I spoke and talked a little bit about this, but let me flesh it out a little bit more. Hope requires fresh eyes. This is the apostle paul praying for the ephesian church and he says as for this reason ever since i heard about your faith in the lord jesus and your love for all god's people i've not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers i keep asking sorry should i should i keep asking that the god of our lord jesus christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So you need to know that hope starts with a refreshed set of eyes. You have two sets of eyes. The eyes of your head, which are the normal ones we think about. They will not normally bring you a lot of hope. You look around yourself, I'm a bit of a news hound, and you look around yourself and you watch the news and you don't see a lot of hope on the news. You get pandemic numbers, you get climate numbers. Irrespective of what your political allegiance might be, you get spin. You get stories of despair, you get aggression, you get a violent and violence. You get all sorts of things, heartache and grief, and it's really easy when you just look with the eyes of your head, it's really easy to become skeptical, cynical, and sarcastic. Bitter and twisted sometimes. Really easy to do that. That's why you need a new set of eyes. That's why Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit, the eyes of your life within are open, that you would see the hope, that you would see the power of the resurrection. That you would see that in your life. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened. Not just the eyes of your head. You've got a second set of eyes. Because you're born again. That's important to know that. It's the result of the Spirit in you. The eyes of your heart are fueled by the Spirit in you. And there are times when you just need to take a, a step back. And say, what do I really see? What does God see? In this situation, what is God seeing in this situation? In this thing that I see before me, what does God see? In this bad news I've got, what does God see? Yeah. In what's happening around the world, in which I, what does God see? What's happening in a nation, what does God see? Sometimes you need to just look with a new set of eyes and take time to look with a new set of eyes, otherwise this set of eyes in your head just gets despairing and despairing and despairing yeah. and lacking in hope. You need that new set of eyes and open those eyes to see the inheritance you have Paul says and the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in that new set of eyes. Third thought I have on this hope journey is that hope is forged in the crucible of life's bruisings. Hope isn't forged when everything's sweet and terrific and going really well and we're just cruising through life. Hope is forged in the bruisings. That's especially true in the life of faith. I want you to listen to this or watch and read this um, progression that we see as Paul writes to the Roman church. Therefore, since we're justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. There's that reminder again that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit that has been given to us. But look at the progression. Sufferings, perseverance, character, hope. It starts with suffering or grief or challenges or heartaches or tribulations. And working through those with endurance and perseverance or long-suffering, a character develops. A character happens. And that character is really important. You see, for us, those of us who are followers of Jesus, character is not a trait. It's not something you put on. It's not something you just sort of add to your life. It's got a progress to it. It's not that at all. We, you know, reputation is what others think of you. Character is what God knows of you. And character is forged through the process of difficulty and challenges and sufferings held fast with endurance and perseverance. And that word character comes from a Greek word which means to engrave. It's not just a a summary or a cursory view of your life. It's not just an image you project. It's not something you put on the outside. It's engraved. It's etched in you by the difficulty and the sufferings and the struggles you have that you hold on to with perseverance because the Spirit of God lives in you. And that character now is not just some external force. It's an imprint. It's an imprint on your life. And when you live your life with that imprint of God's Spirit giving you perseverance in the midst of difficulty then your character forms and that character builds hope. And then hope doesn't disappoint you, it says. I'll disappoint you. Your best friend will disappoint you. Your spouse will disappoint you. Circumstances will disappoint you. The news will disappoint you. But hope will not disappoint you. It says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given us. And hope is forged by the character, the engraving, the imprint of your life. Taking absolute confidence in the fact that God dwells within you. The word became flesh and dwelt among you. And as Jesus left, he said, I promise you I'll be with you forever. I'll give you the spirit, the spirit of truth he'll be with you forever and now you live in that confidence in that hope in that expectation in that anticipation and hope is formed through those challenges you overcome the disappointment of those challenges you don't get rid of it it's still there but your over, hope overcomes it last thought i want is this that hope leads to a consistent walk I want to circle back to that prophet of hope, Isaiah, where hope leads to a consistent walk. Isaiah came on the scene when the people of God had been disappointed, disobedient for a number of years and God judged them through exile. He took them out. Babylonians, Assyrians took them out and, and they lived in exile for a number of years and then God let them back in and Isaiah was with them through that time. And they come back into the land that was theirs and they've had some really ups and downs and some difficult times and some roller coaster times but they're restored to their land. They didn't have some years of lockdown but they had years of lockout of their land. They're back now. We read these words in Isaiah 40. You know them very well. It says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who what, Hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not faint. I want you to note the sequence. You know, in Hebrew, Hebrew writing, when there's a you know phrases that follow on from each other saying similar things, the next the, the phrase after is normally a phrase in parallel, or else it exceeds the one that was there. It adds a little bit of gravity and weight to the phrase that was there. Soar and run and walk. If I was writing that passage of scripture, I'd write it the other way around. That following Jesus means you can walk and then you can run and then you can soar because we love to soar with God. And we do get to soar with God. Every now and again, you just feel, oh boy, I'm on cloud nine. I've witnessed a miracle. I've seen a transformed life. Something's happened to me or my family and it's fantastic. And that happens to you. Every now and again. Hopefully more than every now and again. And you you love to run with God because there's a momentum with running. There's a a kind of pace. There's a rhythm with running. And you want to go, God's working and I'm working with him and I'm sort of running to catch up. It's fantastic. As I said, I would write it the other way around because soaring and running is fantastic. But the writer of the Hebrews says the most important thing you can do, the most important thing you can do is walk with God every day and not fall over. That's the the sequence of that passage of Scripture. That's the sequence. The most powerful thing you can do in this world is walk with Jesus, the Word who became flesh, and not fall down. And that's the hope. That's the hope That's within you. That's the hope that you have. You see, we circle back down to the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. He's glorious, and His Spirit now dwells within us, and He is the anticipation and the expectation of God with us in our lives. And so, when it comes to Advent, when it comes to Christmas, Hope is not in presence, hope is not in good food, hope is not in friends coming for, for dinner, hope is not in turkey and tinsels, all of which we will enjoy and so we should. Have a great one. But hope's not in that. Hope's in Jesus. Hope is in the Word become flesh. Hope is in the Spirit who dwells within us, who have chosen to be born again. Taste and see that God is good. Hope is in Jesus. The need to be born anew, that might be your pitch today. You might need that. The need for new eyes to stop just looking at what's around us and step back and say, What is God saying about all this? Hope to trust that hope comes through character and character comes through perseverance and Perseverance comes through the struggles of life. Not when it's all beer and Skittles, but through the struggles of life. And that's where hope comes from. And hope won't disappoint. And to know that you can walk consistently with God. You'll soar sometimes. Amen, that'll be fantastic. You'll run sometimes. That'll be terrific. But you can walk day by day with God because of the hope of the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The king came in the flesh and we can live in hope. And now we can, we don't say, oh, I hope that this happens or I hope that that happens or I hope so-and-so does or I hope so-and-so does and add all that stuff to it. We just say, I hope, full stop. I'm a person, we're a people who can hope. And our hope is in someone who left the comfort of heaven and came to be God in the flesh, dwelt among us. Emmanuel. Hallelujah. How good is that? I hope. Let me pray with you. Father, I want to thank you and praise you that we come today in hope. We come today in trust. We come today as people who have either discovered a new birth and you are are walking towards that. And we have born again to a living hope. God, I pray that you will help us today live with new eyes and fresh eyes to to see what your perspective is, to see what we can expect because you're in the the equation. Father, I pray that we will develop a character that's built from the, the difficulties and the perseverance and the engraving of you in our lives, the imprint that we have and that will build hope. And God, I pray that you help us walk consistently. Help us walk consistently in life. And in hope, each day, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.